said, why did that affect me so much? And I repeated the line to my mother and she just goes, because women take all the fire and men never notice. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, of course, the only movie that is really being talked about is Wonder Woman. And we, like every other podcast, are covering that. And to do that, I have a return guest. I have uh, Jesse Lauren, who you would have heard on our Whale Rider episode. If you haven't listened to that, you should. It's a really good one. And she was great on it. So thank you for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me back, David. Yes, of course. So um, before we get started on the movie, is there anything you want to kind of advertise for or where people can follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at search to find you. Um, and I'm not really advertising for anything just now. Just live in life. All right. Nice. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely follow her on Twitter. She's a great follow. So check her out. <laughs> All right. So, um it's, it's always interesting kind of where to start with a movie like Wonder Woman, because we want to, of course, talk about the movie, but there's so much to talk about outside of, of the film. Of course, there was a lot of a lot of good press leading up to this and a lot of not so great press with all the stuff at the, you know, all female screenings and man babies getting their, you know, uh, getting their underwear and a bunch over that. And uh, oh my God. it's so ridiculous, <laughs> especially because it it's. Is. It's not even opening night that those screenings are happening. Like, you know, and we were right. kind of talking before we started recording that there's been a couple incidences of men catcalling Wonder Woman during the movie. And it's like, yeah, this is why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is why. It's like, how about we just give women a safe space to enjoy something that is right. meant to be empowering? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. and I, I was noticing, like, there's, I wouldn't say catcalling, but there were, like, little moments where you heard guys murmuring when she first showed yep. up. And it was just kind of like, and I just think that. I don't think men are trash, but I think men in large groups are a bad idea. Like, it's just like, you know, men on agree. their own. It's just like, it's fine. But like, and I, this is coming from someone who went to an all male high school. So I have seen, oh. <laughs> I've oh God, seen men in, in groups. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> so, and there was a little bit of that. Thankfully, no actual cat calling, but it was like, can't we just, can't we just shut up? for a second like it's this is yeah. just basically it's it's barely even for you like this is no. not there for you this is this is a woman superhero which we never get to see and we finally did so that aside uh what did you think of wonder woman well i am very freshly out of it i just got home from seeing it about an hour ago and mm -hmm. i actually didn't expect to see it my mom wanted to see it and i don't follow Wonder Woman is a, you know, I never read it as a comic, so I wasn't super into seeing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just got the idea. I was like, hey, mom, let's let's go together because she wanted to go and I didn't want her to go alone. And right. I ended up enjoying it so much more nice. than I ever could have thought possible. And I ended up crying like three times, which I really didn't expect. Right. It really affected me. I was really amazed. And it's just fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's a very well put together movie mm -hmm. uh, at no point did it seem to lag uh right. great and it's acting. two hours and 20 minutes so that's not nothing yeah, yeah. no it's not yeah, I yeah, also I loved, I loved it. it too. Like I I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Like I was excited going in because it's 
you know, it, it got all these like good early reviews and I'm like, okay, it's been a long time since we've had a comic book movie, you know, especially outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's gotten good reviews. So it's like, oh, maybe this is something to look forward to. And I haven't had this much fun at a comic book movie in a long, long time. Like, oh, I absolutely same. Yeah, I mean, I like most of these comic book movies. Like, they're most of them are like you know serviceable to good to very good. And this was just like, I think it it was interesting to me because I think it shared the move. The two movies I thought of as I was watching this movie, you have the beginnings uh, with her in Themyscira, with her being raised, and it was a very like Lord of the Rings vibe going yeah. on. Which I am like, I as soon as I see something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm in. This is a good buy in <laughs> for me. And then later in the movie, as we have the kind of World War stuff going on, I noticed some similarities. Oh to Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie, and her like, you know, her team of merry men that kind of the same thing. But I actually felt like this movie did it better. Like, I really enjoyed the camaraderie. I thought Chris Pine was fantastic in a in a supporting role, but a true supporting role, not the supporting role that steals the limelight. But like oh, he completely. was there for her. And, and Gal Gadot, who is not, to my mind, who's not a great actress, but I think she's good here. Um, she did I, a really good job. Yeah, it's like she's found her niche. I was talking to my friend Sheila about this, and she was kind of comparing it to Chris Hemsworth and Thor. And Chris Hemsworth is not oh. a great actor, but as no. Thor, he, he fits perfectly <laughs> that mold, and she fits this mold. It's like it's just like everything came together at the right time in the right place. Oh, I absolutely agree. And uh, yeah, my mother and I were actually just discussing different actors who find their niche, as you say. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some people will criticize it. It's like, oh, you can only do one thing. It's like, but this is like life. If you can do that one thing, do the one thing well. If people like it, then great. (laughs) I mean, it's just like Keanu Reeves now doing all these action movies. Like he's found his spot. And it's like, I'm a big fan of saying that he's not a bad actor. He's just a limited actor. Like he has this one lane. And if he stays in it, he's great. And I think Gal Gadot has found her lane. Right, absolutely. No, we were talking about it in terms of uh, oh, Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki oh, for yeah. Supernatural because they're totally. they're in like there's what twelfth, thirteenth season. Yeah, I think and, that show's been on for twenty five years at this point. Yeah, like, it's but, just forever. Listen, <laughs> it's not good acting no. by any means, but it's enjoyable and it's fun, and they do all this fantastic charity work and they treat their fans like yes. gold. So it's like, great, if you can only be Sam and Dean Winchester for the rest of your lives, fine. I mean, like, why criticize that? I yeah. think it's a good thing. <laughs> that just comes off as jealousy to me. Because if you ask, yeah. if you honestly ask any person, like, if you could do that, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They look like they're having a blast. Like, it's fine. No, totally. And yeah. they do, if you watch the bloopers. Because I'm obsessed, of course. It's yes. trash, but I love it. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We all have our guilty pleasures. We all have things we know are trash and we enjoy every second of it. There's no shame. I'm not even guilty about it. Not even guilty about it. I'm full on like, oh, I love the Winchesters. Go get that demon. Anywho, back (laughs) to Wonder Woman. But yeah, Gal Gadot, like she, oh God, the expression in her eyes and her face was just so perfect at every moment, at every angle of the movie. And that's not just because she's beautiful. I mean, she is, but- I don't know. She just really sold it for me. And like I said before, I've never even, I have no like concept of Wonder Woman really. Like I knew that she existed. I knew she had the lasso of truth and that's like all I knew. Right. So you, you kind of brought up like this movie making you emotional. So there was, there was a moment in this movie that really took me by surprise and actually got me to tear up. And I'm not someone who cries a lot during movies. And it was something that was, it was about the movie, but it's also about, 
kind of the the world we live in in terms of uh movies and female led especially big budget movies there is <gasps> there is a very famous sequence at this point now even though the movie just came out where she is going across enemy lines she's going across oh no my god Man's it's land. the same thing for me yeah. i'm sorry go ahead yeah <laughs> no definitely. no it's okay and <laughs> i had this realization like as she's running out there and doing her thing i'm like oh this is awesome she has her hero moment which i felt like they they go right up to the line of like too much slow motion and then they just yeah. pull it back like they just hit the right the right balance but what really struck me is there's a moment as she's doing that and they kind of bring the camera back to chris pine and his men and he says like she's drawing all the all the she's fire drawing all the fire and then they run out in support of this yes. woman and i was just i was just realizing as like my eyes were welling up like this is something we don't ever see like forget comic book movies just think about movies in general when was the last time you saw a woman lead in charge and men purely support her in what she's doing. And I was like, and I was so wowed by this moment. And it totally took me by surprise that I was like, my God, we need more than this. And if this is affecting me like this, imagine some 12 year old girl watching this. And like, she has a role model in a movie where men are supporting her and men are good to her, you know, and are following what she does because not because she's beautiful, not because, you know, they like her, but because she's the most capable. And I was like, and she's doing good. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. No, I so totally agree with you. And it's funny because, like I said, I didn't expect to become emotional. Right. And that was definitely the first time I cried. And that was the line. Like, I was just like, wow, look at her go. Woohoo. And then yep. it just pulls back to Chris Pine and he says that. Yeah. And I just, oh, my heart filled up and I just kind of lost it. And I was, you know, talking about the movie on the way back home. And I said, why did that affect me so much? Mm-hmm. And I repeated the line to my mother and she just goes, because women take all the fire and men never notice. Right. And yeah, I was like, that too. <laughs> I'm going to cry again. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I, I, I felt like, you know, there were moments where the film was very heavy handed as far as the feminist oh. message, right? The whole like, Completely. you know, being a secretary of slavery, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Like, there's all these very pointed lines, but I was okay with that. Uh, because I oh, think yeah. I think that's the message of the movie. That's what Patty Jenkins was trying to get across. And it's really important for women and girls to see that message that like you don't even, you know, in, in this time period where, you know, women were by law and not just by action, second class citizens, she right. still stood up. And like I love that even – even in these moments where Chris Pine has to shuffle her out of the room because she's broken some social moray, he never right. chastises her. He never tells her, don't you ever do that again. Don't you know you're a woman? Be in your place. Like, it's very just like, huh, well, that was awkward. Let's move on to the next thing because we're in a rush. <laughs> and I like that, that it wasn't – she never got beaten down by by the sexism that was inherent in the society. No, absolutely. In fact, she kind of becomes enraged by it. Yes. And – Instead of being seen as this like ridiculous hysterical woman, she is presented as powerful. Right. And that's another uh, something that I want young women to see as well is like just because you're angry and just because you don't agree with what's going on does not make you a bitch. Right. Like, it, you know, speak your mind, say your truth, do what you believe is good. And I just wow, it, it was amazing. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think uh, Patty Jenkins deserves all the accolades that she can get. We just did an episode on Monster, which was her first and only uh, kind of full length film that she's made, which was 12 years ago, which is just horrible that it's taken that long for her to get 
you know, uh, to have someone behind her and actually believe in her to make another feature length film. But I think I was talking to my wife about this after we got out of the movie and I was, especially the scenes in the beginning where we have Diana growing up. And if you have a man doing this, it doesn't work. If you have a male director, it doesn't work. You have to have a director who knows about female friendships and most men have no clue. Like we look at female friendships as competition, and there was some competition or there. Or pillow fights. Right, exactly. But this, it was like you could see the way they interacted, whether it's Diana and her mother or um, or her mother and, uh, and her sister who is trying to train Diana. Like all those relationships felt real and felt earned. And they did that all in like 15 minutes. So when something happens to one of those characters pretty early in the movie – I mean, I was moved by that moment, too. And I only knew her for 20 minutes. And I was like, we need more filmmakers like this who can really efficiently build relationships to the point where I care about them in less than a half hour. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, talk about correct casting. I mean, Robin Wright. Oh, oh, my God. Steals the beginning of this this. movie. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know she was in this. And I got to tell you, I know it's weird, but just from like a filmically historical standpoint, my heart was just screaming, yeah, Buttercup, you <laughs> saved the day. That's Here right. You go. <laughs> like, I loved seeing her as this glorious, revered warrior. It mm-hmm. was just amazing. Yeah. The, the other thing I noticed is when you really break this movie down and without going into too many spoilers, basically it's about it's, – it's a hero's journey for a woman, which we never see. Um, and her figuring out – like when she leaves, she is, you know – She's probably like in her 20s or whatever, but she has a kind of teenage mindset like uh, everything I've learned is right and Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go change the world. And it's about the process of her figuring out what the real world is like and what decisions she makes. Does she give in to that darkness or does she stand against it? And I loved that. And I there are changes that I would make in the plot, but I think the overall arc of her character is really well done. And I think this movie is shockingly well, well written because there's like three or four writers on this film. And usually when you have three or four writers, you're always kind of like, oh, this – this has got a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen here, but um, but I think they did a really good job with her character, and she was always the focus. Even when you have Chris Pine cracking jokes, and you have all the merry men doing their you know their little thing, it's always about her, and all that stuff really works. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, I, I believe that those writers included Zack Snyder. Did yeah. I see that? Yes, Ugh. that's correct. So you know. <laughs> Impressive. Makes you makes you really kind of think about it a little bit. <laughs> like, it really does. Like yeah. I my eyebrow went right up. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. Like yep. why not? So Yep. And in a movie yeah. like this, we have to talk about the action sequences because it there is it is an action heavy movie. And this was the first the first comic book movie in a long time that actually got a an audible response from me. Like there were there were moments where I audibly yeah. just said, "Oh shit!" Like I was not expecting that. Like there is a scene yeah. involving essentially a knee kick through a window um, mm. that got like this audible reaction from me, and it was so visceral and so well done. And you could tell the same people who dealt with the action sequences of uh, of Batman in Batman versus Superman had a heavy hand here too, because it was mm-hmm. similar in its kind of viciousness and its rawness. But I thought. You know, to put it behind a character who is comfortable with being good instead of someone who's really torn and like, I don't know if I want to do the right thing or not. Throughout this entire movie. Yeah, exactly. Throughout this whole thing, she wants to do good. That is her goal. And I that's the other thing I love is how heartfelt this movie is, how earnest it is. Absolutely. Like it's something we don't see. It's not dark and gritty. 
It's like Mm -mm. it is a true hero. And and I mentioned it sharing DNA with Captain America and it shares DNA that way, too. It's someone who wants to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And you talk about it not being dark and gritty. And I mean, in a way it is. Mm -hmm. But what you take away from it, I mean, it's set in this horrible period of war. Right. And the visuals speak highly to that very beautifully. Um, yeah. But I think the reason it doesn't seem dark and gritty is because at the end of the day, you're you're brought to the light, the goodness of the character, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know you, you see through her eyes that good can come out of the dark. Yeah. So, oh, it just adds these beautiful levels. And obviously, clearly, if the Batman versus Superman uh, people had something to do with the action sequences, which were amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, someone obviously had a nice editor's hand in that as well, because at no point was I sitting there going, oh, God, would they just kill each other already? <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> I was completely, you know, intrigued the entire time and just, yeah, you're right. You know, audibly like, oh, shit, that just happened. Like, it's just right. <laughs> very well paced. Uh, very well planned. The choreography of it was stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from the very beginning, even the there's a action sequence on uh, on the kind of Amazon's home island that to me is some of the most wow inducing stuff. And that's before you know Diana is really Wonder Woman. That's before she is kind of unveiled um, as who she is. And all these characters that we just meet briefly, like, are in danger and are doing these amazing things. And like, mm-hmm. I I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. Like, I was just like, I want, I would love a prequel that just shows these women in action because they were amazing and there's so much more character work that could be done and more fun to be had. Oh, completely. I agree. Um, so before we go to spoilers, anything else uh, you want to, you want to mention that's, that's non-spoilery? Um, that's non-spoilery. Uh, is it Lucy Davis? Is that her name? Uh, the secretary? Oh yes. Yes. Uh, she's just glorious and amazing as yes. she is in all things. So she was definitely like the cherry on the top of the Sunday. Of everything. Yeah, and so. that's and that's something that could have gone over the top really easily. I think the the script did a good job of kind of keeping her relatively limited because she is so bubbly and so a little bit over the top that it would be easy for that to go too far. But there is a gag involving her and Diana and a pair of glasses that is yes. absolutely golden. Perfect. Like I, it was just – it was so much fun and like, you know – there's a lot of people talk a lot of trash about the Batman versus Superman movie, some for valid reasons, some for not valid reasons. But this – if you didn't like how dark and how nihilistic that could be, this is mm-hmm. your antidote. This is the exact Completely. opposite. And it's going to be interesting to see how these worlds work together as we move into Justice League because we've set her up as this very positive character who who kind of – who goes through it, who goes through some darkness, but I think still comes out pretty positive and making a decision – to protect people because it is what she needs to do. What is the right thing to do? It will be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah. All right. So I think before we go to spoilers, I think we both highly recommend this movie. Like is, is this movie yes. going to win a bunch of Oscars? Does it deserve nominations? Probably not, but this is a <laughs> no. lot of fun. Like this is, this is what a blockbuster should be. This is, this is exact. It's, I won't say exactly what I was hoping for because I think it kind of, it did more than I was hoping for. I was just hoping for a halfway decent, fun movie. I was not expecting at any moment to be moved or to care about these characters, but just for it to be fun and action-based. But I think it did more than that. I completely agree. We're on the same page. It was just absolutely amazing. If you want a fun movie to go watch, go watch it. Maybe bring a tissue because you won't expect it, but you'll need it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. 
Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Um, so the one thing I wanted to bring up, so there's this whole kind of plot uh, contrivance about like Ares is looking for Diana, right? Ugh, um, yes. So <laughs> um, I thought this movie, and you find out who Ares is, and it's very strange for me because Ares is played by David Thewlis, who is uh, the nicest person in the world in the Harry Potter series. So it was very strange to see him as a villain. Uh, kind of ah. threw me off a little bit. Um, but I think this story is so much more interesting if Ares never shows up. Oh, God, I so agree. And just as a little, like, tangent antidote to that, Mm -hmm. like, I, I, yeah, obviously he's Professor Lupin and he's, like, the nicest character in all of Harry Potter. But the entire time I was watching Harry Potter, I was thinking, but that's the guy who killed his mother in Dragonheart, so he's got to be evil. You know, my wife said the exact (laughs) same thing, and I saw that movie when it came out, and I couldn't tell you anything about it, but she is holding, she has held on to that so tight, so you Uh, that's so funny. Seriously, it's so, every time I see him, I'm like, "Mm, but you're evil. Like, I know, you're a smarmy little, "Mm, you're evil, I know you are. So, like, the second he showed up, I was like, oh, that's him. <laughs> oh, like, that's hilarious. Oh, man. Like, that's him for sure. Everyone's going to be like, oh, no, not Professor Lupin. He's the like, nice nope, guy. No, nope, I'm totally ready. Him. Yep. <laughs> so I think the whole the whole kind of crux of the story is really about, like, you know, Chris Pine's character is constantly telling her, like, this is not about one person. This is complicated. This is messy. There's a lot of bad people and there's a lot of good people. And we're all kind of entrenched in this. Um, and her kind of coming to terms with the fact that it's not just Ares who has, like, gone into these people's minds and warped them somehow. So I think if, like, there is no Ares in this movie, one, we don't have the CGI fest at the end, uh, which gets a little repetitive and a little like, okay, let's let's move on from this. Like, I can't, I can't take this seriously anymore because nothing is real. Um, <laughs> but also, I think it makes her decision to stay and to be a savior even more impactful like it's not this supernatural thing that has come down it is the the kind of folly of man um who has kind of screwed a bunch of this stuff up and her realizing that there are men like chris pine's character who sacrifice themselves for the greater good and that is what kind of ties her to humanity yeah i agree i think they tried to handle it as best they could to try to impart the same message. Yes. Uh, simply because they're like, oh, you know, he doesn't control anybody. He just whispers and the men choose right. to do what they do on their own. You know, that sort of sure. thing. And so, I mean, I appreciated that, but I completely agree. There could have been so much more uh, philosophical intrigue had the character not been in the film at all. Not necessarily didn't exist. Right. But had he just not been in the film at all. Right. And then plus we have this weird flashback with Ares getting struck down. And he still have David Thewlis's face and his weird mustache. And I was just like, this doesn't work for me. Please keep the helmet on. Like this, is, this oh like God. intellectual dorky looking guy is the god of war. Like, mm, that's not really working for me. Yeah, my mom was skeeved out by the same thing. She was just like, I mean, very clearly, that's just his face on someone right. else's body. It's bad Photoshop. It's- that's that's all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, mm. Yeah, calm down, guys. Right. I don't know. But I, you know, insofar as the CGI fest, whatever, I did really like the symbolism involved where she contained the power of his hatred and used the power of love to kind of strike him down and smite him with his own uh, energy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was a nice little, obviously, ham-fisted and very heavy-handed way of saying, like, you know, you 
what is it? Uh, the wolf you feed best is the one that wins out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I also like I mean, they they had this moment with her holding the tank up and making this decision, and I kept thinking she was going to throw the tank at Ares, and I love that too. she made the decision to quite literally put down weapons of war to fight this Absolutely. battle, and I was like. Wow, what an interesting, what an interesting decision. And this movie is filled with like some really iconic images, whether you have that or whether you have her first starting to stride across the battlefield or her moment after she kind of stands over the the tower that she's destroyed with the sniper. Like there are a lot of really well-filmed, just fantastic pulp comic book moments, but I don't think anything equals there's a line that she says, and we talked about this movie being really genuine and really just diving into the – I mean some people would call it cheesy. Um, like she has this line where she says – I mean quite literally, I believe in love. And yeah. I and I loved how genuine that was and how much she believed that and that really defines her character. And they didn't make it a joke and they didn't make it ridiculous. They just really went for it. Yeah, I was just having a discussion about that earlier today where, you know, feeling things in this day and age doesn't seem to be very cool. I no, mean, it's seen cool as weakness. Isn't even cool. yeah. Exactly. I mean, you can actually see it very reflected in the music that's popular nowadays, which has mm-hmm. very little emotional substance. Yeah, true. And, you know, I was writing along and we were listening to music. And of course, I'm ridiculous. So I have this big 80s <laughs> mix. And uh, oh, what was it? It was a. Uh, Tears for Fears, uh, Head Over Heels. Oh. No, I'm sorry. It was Crowded House. Don't mm-hmm. Dream It's Over. Oh, yeah. I'm just like okay. screaming it at the top of my lungs. And my <laughs> pastor was just like, this is so theatrical and emotional. You don't hear this music anymore. I'm like, yeah, because people don't want to feel right now. Right. Like, you know, we're being taught that it's not okay to feel emotions. And, you know, we're just having that conversation. Then we go into this movie and we're like, we felt things. This right? is wonderful. Yes. But yeah, bring on the earnest, I say. Yeah, absolutely. And like even it would have been also very easy to not have a romantic lead in this movie uh, because mm-hmm. like, you know, I think when people who are who are kind of outside of the world of actual feminism read, you know, male feminists uh, will sometimes think of women as feminists as being like above relationships and above attraction. Mm-hmm. And I love that we have that moment with the two of them. I love that like that is what that is what kind of gives her a little bit of strength at the end where instead of a woman being in service to a man's plot, it's the other way around. Like his sacrifice is in service to her heroism. I can see that point. I was I was a little disappointed. I thought it was slightly superfluous. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I don't think it served too much. I think I still think he could have loved her and could have sacrificed sure. regardless. Um but you know, so I'm a little torn on that, but I'm torn on the same like I mean, how are they all getting razors to shave their glorious armpits completely clean on yes. that ridiculous island? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> obviously we're not within the realm of reality and there are things that could have been different to make a stronger statement. But again, I, I think that boiling it down to the simple and the clean and the earnest mm-hmm. is the best way to make an impact, especially in today's society. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Uh, I think that's uh, enough on Wonder Woman. I think we both really enjoyed it, obviously. Uh, I think yeah. there's there's a lot to like here. Um, and I, I do just love how 
how, I mean, the only word for it is earnest and how it just kind of dives into that kind of 1940s, 1950s style of comic book hero instead of worrying about like, like you mentioned, like revenge or what it means to be a hero instead of it's like, no, I, what it means to be a hero is to be a hero and I'm going to do it. And, and I love her, her agency in that way yeah. that we get in this movie. I agree. That's that. To be good, you know, to be a hero is to be good. So be good. It's It's as simple as that. Yep. All right. So uh, one more time before you take off, why don't you let people know uh, how they can contact you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at search to find you. And anytime you tweet at me, I will tweet back. I've got a little notification thing. So, you know, (laughs) I'm all set. Nice. All right. So we're going to take a break and then we'll come back uh, with Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Well, we will continue her film education and talk about what's coming out next week. Fantastic. Thanks, David. Hello, my name is Andrew. I'm the host of The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied nature of Australian cinema. If you've ever seen an Australian film and thought, man, I wish more people could see that, then this show aims to do just that. By bringing you reviews of the latest Australian films, as well as retrospective looks at notable and forgotten films from Australia's history, The Last New Wave aims to help further the audience of Australian cinema. We also aim to deliver looks behind the scenes with interviews with directors, producers and actors of Australian films, such as the director of The Man from Hong Kong, Brian Trenchard-Smith, and the director of all this mayhem, Eddie Martin. So make sure to check out The Last New Wave by heading over to abfilmreview.com for episodes or following on Twitter or Facebook at The Last New Wave. All right, so we're back from our break and it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Hi, Britt. No. No, just no? Just no. I didn't even say hello. I didn't even say say hello, Britt. I just I said know. hi. Uh, yeah. I can't say hi to my wife without no. It's suspect. <laughs> All right. Um, so anything you want to talk about before we jump into your film education? You want to talk about your thoughts on Wonder Woman or because we did actually see that together? Well, I had to find things to be upset with. So I think that says enough. It is what you do. Oh, you so you had to like work. Yeah. To be upset. by. So I was like angry <laughs> over nail polish. Right. Right. <laughs> So, like, in general, you liked it a lot. There were, like, little nitpicky things. Yeah, like, so I never saw Batman versus Superman, so I had things that I didn't like about Gal Gadot, or how you say her name? I, can, I never know. Yeah, I say Gal Gadot, but I don't Gal know. Gal Gadot. Oh, yeah, it is Gal Gadot. Well, yeah. the, it's spelled whatever. that way. But you know what? The person with face and the thing. Just Wonder leave, Woman. Just stop right there. Yes. Because, um, you know, like, my argument is that, like, I feel like she's too small and wasn't athletic looking enough, but I feel like they lead up for that a lot with the other Amazons. That made me yeah, very happy. Definitely. And like those, all the sequences in the beginning were really awesome. Mm-hmm. And Robin Wright is just getting even more What a badass, attractive. man. And, and she's like, awesome. And I love that she like had a scar. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. This, this is pretty much it. Yeah. So you liked it. Yeah. We're, we're saying. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so it's been a while since we actually watched the movie that we're going to talk about today. Do you oh, remember yeah, what movie? It. Uh, it's Black Lagoon thing. Nope. Nope. That's next week. Well, you made me watch that. Yeah, you, this they, you week. watched. But we haven't recorded on Manhunter. Oh. The uh, Michael Mann. Uh, um, right. What do you okay. call it? Well, this yeah. is what happens when you have me trying to do a head of schedule. I know. I'm I know. I'm going to remember the last thing I watched. <laughs> All right, fine. Manhunter. So, yes. Manhunter. All right. Very 80s movie. That yeah. It was at the very beginning of the 80s. Well, it was made in 1986, oh, actually. Oh, no, that's I right. Checked the best out. year ever. Yeah, that's right. The the best, best year. All the best things were born in that year. That's right. All right. Um, so um, this is, of course, uh, based on uh, the book Red Dragon uh, by Thomas Harris, which um, is, I guess, the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. So it's another Hannibal Lecter story. Um, so what did you think of Manhunter? Was it hard for you to 
get past the the only 80s thing that was hard for me to get past was like the constant musical scoring it reminded yeah. me of that movie you really like uh with uh rucker hauer uh the, like fantasy movie lady hawk lady hawk yeah where it has this kind of constant almost electronic yeah. music in the background that so was, i had to work to get past that that was annoying me with this um i also had a hard time because the the main actor who plays will graham in this this is william peterson yeah mm -hmm. um I know him from CSI for like 15 years. Right. He looks like a baby here. It's weird. But it's still very much him. Yeah. And so it was really hard for me to not see him just as being another, like a, like maybe a flashback of that character. Yeah, right. Like it didn't feel very Will Graham for me. Mm. And I think that may also be because Hannibal has now skewed my sense of everything. Right. So speaking of Hannibal, this is something I thought of while I was watching this because we're in the middle of Hannibal. We haven't finished the last season. Um, but... I think Hannibal, Brian Fuller, who is at this point a certified genius, like the creator of that show, yep. does a really intelligent thing because there's a lot of, in the books, I assume there's a lot of kind of internal uh, stuff with Will Graham, like his thought process, his yeah. monologues. Um, and in the TV show, what they do is they like kind of, they, they focus just on him and no one else and you kind of, and you see what he's thinking as he's saying it. Yeah. So it reads as this kind of like artistic thought process monologue going on. Where in this, it becomes a little bit just William Peterson talking to himself. Yeah. And it's like a little distracting where you're like, nobody, nobody thinks like that. So they didn't make any effort to change anything. So it didn't look like that. Well, I mean, I think there's a bit of that in Hannibal where like he, like, yeah, he starts off talking about himself right. and then he becomes part of the scene. Right. You get the visuals and yeah. And I think it's also that the Will Graham and Hannibal is so calculated when he's doing that. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Will Graham it's like and all emotion is very angry. Yeah. And that doesn't fit for me. Right. Like to sit there and be like, because you're not putting yourself in, in their shoes. You're judging. Right. Yeah, I did. The only the only part I would disagree with. Um, so there's a conversation between him and Jack Crawford, uh, played by Dennis Farina, where they're kind of talking about like how awful he is. And he, and he mentions like, I have pity for him as a child and disgust for him as an adult. And I liked that scene. I liked them yeah. talking about that. I actually wish the movie would have focused more on that. It seemed to be like, I think in... In subsequent movies, we have figured out that what's really interesting about these books are the villains, whether it be Hannibal Lecter or the Tooth Fairy in this case or Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. They're really what's interesting and what we're, what we're really focused on. Like, even though I think Jodie Foster is fantastic in that movie, it starts out as her story and then kind of transfers into, like, this is really about her relationship with Hannibal. Um, and this was so focused on Will Graham. That you, I almost felt like we didn't get enough of of the serial killer stuff. Like it just became him pontificating about yeah, the serial killer. I also didn't particularly like Brian Cox's Hannibal. I don't know. I'm I very torn on it. I think for me, I mean, it would be easier to say this before Hannibal, but I have such a such an image of Hannibal Lecter in movies as Anthony Hopkins because, yeah. like, it makes me wonder if I saw this in 1986, would I have the same thought? But I. The thing that interested me most was what they did with kind of the production design in those sequences. I thought it was interesting that, like, everything was stark yeah. in those sequences. I thought that was an interesting choice. But I also think, like, I think Brian Cox is good, but, like, he he was barely there. Well, yeah, so that's like, the thing is, like, because there weren't enough he, scenes didn't, with him. he didn't get enough scenes, so then it just felt like Brian Cox in everything that he's ever in. But younger and with slick back hair. 
Yeah, like, that's... <laughs> like I mean, he, it pretty much felt like when he was the general in X Men. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I like the sequence with the phone, like, like him, like Jerry rigging the phone yeah. so he could get. The, I thought that was and they did good, a good job of like setting him up as being intelligent. I right. guess he should be, but I they just I'm just saying that I don't see any part of Hannibal in him. It's sure. just Brian Cox to me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, was there any performance? Oh, we have to talk about Stephen Lang. Uh, oh my god just crazy so Stephen Lang of course like movie. who has been in you know big movies like Avatar and he was in Don't Breathe uh last year and he was in that show that we loved on Fox that got canceled after like half a season mm-hmm. um and he is unrecognizable in this movie oh like completely like Dave and I kept assuming that he was a serial killer like it right. just made sense because the guy was huge and like they weren't showing his face at first right and then we finally get to this point where like Okay, we should just look up who yeah. he is. And he played the reporter, the like sniveling, and he is so unrecognizable. Like the he hair. must weigh a hundred pounds more now in muscle than he did oh, in the movie. It's crazy. And every once in a while, you can hear it in the voice, but he's totally unrecognizable. We didn't hear it in the voice until we went back and like looked at it. Though. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, were there any moments in the movie you particularly liked, or was this just kind of tough for you to get through? I think it was honestly just tough for me to get through. Like, mm. I, I like I didn't feel any connection with the family. The whole thing with the kid, like, having to protect his mom, like, mm-hmm. got weird. Like, mm. there was no setup for that. It was just, like, this random thing they threw into the plot. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I liked it, but I think I liked it because I could see um, kind of where the director was going after this. Because this is directed uh, by Michael Mann, who became, a you know, a pretty good, not pretty good, but, like, a great action director. He did... Last of the Mohicans, and he did Heat. Um, he did Public Enemies, which is a little, like, not great, but, like, you can see. Hey, I like that movie. I know you do. Uh, that movie is a movie that just never comes together for me. Um, so he's gone on to, like, a great career as a director. Um, he made The Insider. Um, he did Black Hat a couple years ago, uh, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but some people really seem to be. Uh, and Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Like, he became a really, really great director. So I think I can see some of that kind of action and like masculinity in this in this film like Mm -hmm. the way and i just think maybe the thomas harris books like aren't a great match for him yeah because it's so internal i also now need to really read those books yeah i'm probably going to regret it on some levels oh yeah it's gonna be fucking gross and awful Mm -hmm. yeah so can you see why people would think this is a great movie or do you think people are just like looking at his career now and looking back and going like oh he was really good back then too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I don't think it was that great of a movie, and mm-hmm. maybe that's just because there have been such better things now for Hannibal, and sure. especially Will Graham. Like, they, like maybe if I had seen this before we started watching Hannibal, I'd feel differently. But right. I was like, the hell is this cheap imitation bullshit? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, last question about this: Do you do you see anything in this movie that you've seen in later movies? Do you see its impact? I mean, the only impacts that I see are things that they did in Hannibal, like little odes to it, mm-hmm. um, like the whole fire wheelchair thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really thinking about it when I was watching because I was just trying to get through it. So. <laughs> it does seem like a movie in a lot of ways that is of its time. You know, it is very much an 80s yeah, action film. It, yeah. So it can be really hard, I think, to separate that. So I like, I liked it, but I... I had heard a lot of great things about this, so I think I was expecting more than I got. Right. Um, so I enjoyed it, but I wasn't, like, completely wowed by it. Like, it wouldn't be in my, like, even probably top five of this director's 
movies. Like I think he's he's done a lot better. But again, this was very early in his career. I think this was like like his third movie. Um, his first movie was Thief in 1981 with James Caan, but so this is pretty early. So maybe it's just like a matter of he hadn't, he hadn't really hit his, his peak voice, yet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so that is it for your film education. So now we're going to talk about the three movies uh, coming out this week. Uh, the first of which is My Cousin Rachel, uh, which stars Rachel Weisz, which is all I really care about. Um, and it's actually based on based on a book that was written by the same author that wrote two um two alfred hitchcock movies uh mm. rebecca and the birds so what did you think of the trailer for my cousin rachel oh well first is a period movie with great costuming so down right second is rachel vice so down mm -hmm. like um and also that kid who was in the uh hunger games movies uh who played uh the guy with the trident what's his name you know this stuff i should know this stuff but i'm really tired yeah but anyway the guy with the joker smile yeah uh that guy yeah um, yeah, so. so I mean, I like I. This is right up my alley, like as far as genre and actresses. So, yeah, and I also I think I think Rachel Weisz is the perfect person to to play. I guess the the best way to put it is like kind of like a femme fatale, where you're not sure if she's good or bad right. in this kind of movie. Like I think she is. I mean, she's got like the 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 kind of darker features and like the, the kind of piercing eyes, like that you're like but drawn to, but you're like, like super sweet looking. Right. Too, exactly. Like, it really plays on that balance. So for me, like femme fatale is somebody who is like, I mean, not to say that she's not striking, but like it's somebody who is like drop dead, gorgeous, mm -hmm. like very hard features. Sure, and I sure. think she's softer. So it yeah, works with the not knowing if she's conniving or not. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think of, uh, Prussia and, in the the etiquette and espionage books. Oh yeah, I you haven't don't done think those. I've done uh, those. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. Um. The other here's another selling point for you. Uh, Ian Glenn, your favorite guy from Game of Thrones, yes. is in this as well. So so you got that going for you. Watch him in tailored suits all day. Yeah. I mean, this movie like the trailer doesn't give away a lot, other than it's essentially setting up like we don't know whether to trust her or not. Like that's the entire trailer. Right. Um, but I think the trailer just looks really striking and looks great. And I, it's going to be a matter of, because when you have, when you have period pieces like this, I think you always run the risk of it being too slow for modern audiences. Fair. Um, so it makes me wonder, it's going to be all down to, to the director, um, to see if he can really pace this right. But it looks like there's a really good cast attached and yeah. it looks really good. Like just aesthetically, it looks I'm like something I'd enjoy. I'm so many period pieces that are coming out this year. And by that, I mean two. What's the other one? beguiled oh yeah can't wait for that yeah for sure yeah i think uh that one i'm looking forward to more than my cousin rachel but my cousin rachel looks really good like i'm excited for it all right uh so the next movie uh is a movie that brit as after we watched the trailer said not seeing that nope uh <laughs> and that is megan levy uh, which is basically it says based on the true life story of a young marine corporal whose uh, discipline and bond with her military combat dog saved many lives during their deployment in Iraq. So this is a movie that, like, I feel this way about pretty much every dog movie. I'm like, I'm not seeing that. That's designed to make me cry. Yeah. Like, if you're a dog owner or an animal lover and you see this trailer, like, you're like, you know, I'm already, like, tearing up watching this trailer. I'm not watching this movie. I'm not spending nope. two hours crying over this nope. dog. And then I'm no. just going to have to come home and, like, smother my dog in tears. And the dog's going to be like, what the fuck is happening? Right. My only my only reason I would want to see this is I think Kate Mara is actually a really good actress who doesn't get enough work. I um, think that's true. I I noticed that I already have a bias against her thanks to House of Cards. House of Cards. <laughs> see, and also American Horror Story. 
Honestly, um, I don't think I watched it when she was in it. Um, oh, maybe she was, she was in, in the first season, right? Yeah, she, yeah. She was so the cheater that. again, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I think she's already gotten stereotyped into being, like, the whore. Yeah. And so, because I have those characters, like, ingrained in my mind. Like, right. when I see her face now, I just have, like, this natural, like, disgust. Mm. Hmm. Which sucks, because I'm sure she is a very good actress. Yeah, and it just seems like like if you look at her um, like her recent work, I mean, there's a lot of TV work, which used to be kind of frowned upon, but now like TV is so good right. that like, you know, a lot of great actors are going to it. But she was in Morgan, which people didn't really seem to like. We still haven't watched that. She was in The Martian, um, which of course they really like. She was in a terrible Fantastic Four movie. Like, she just... She's yeah. had a lot of misses that, and also Transcendence, that Johnny Depp movie, movies that were supposed to be really big and just never caught on, except The Martian, but The Martian is all about Matt Damon and right. everyone else's kind of side. Um, so it's kind of a shame that she she seems to be missing, because I think she is actually pretty talented. I'd like to see what she can do. But this movie is just like, I don't know, these all these dog movies, they feel so disposable to me. Mm-hmm. They just feel like, well, you know, it's it's just like when, we talked about this, when horror movies use dogs as as bait, essentially, right. if your audience, you immediately care about the character who cares about the dog. So it's like you don't even have to do the work of creating a real character anymore. You can just have them be a dog owner, and then I care about them. Yeah. And that's cheap, you yeah. know? Like, so, so yeah, probably not going to see that one. Uh, but the movie we are covering this week is uh, 2017's version of The Mummy. Uh, it's another franchise that seems to get rebooted every Every few, I guess, I guess that's not fair because we just had like the Brendan Fraser one, and then before that there was like nothing, right? Before I the like original, the first one of that. No, the first one's great, and we would be covering that this week, except I've already covered it, so <laughs> so we're not going to do that. It's because uh, Dave doesn't want to hear me rant about the inconsistencies of the dynasties. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to hear that. No. He already fell asleep with me just saying that. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> I totally missed that. Uh, so this is, of course, uh, starring Tom Cruise, but really starring Sofia Boutella, uh, who's playing the mummy. Uh, it looks like she is. Where is she from? Anything? Where is she from? Like well, not, her not, like, background, state of origin. I mean, like what other things would I have seen her in? Oh, she was in. Did you see Star Trek Beyond? Yes. Yeah. Crazy. She person was in Star uh, Trek. She was like the female alien in that, the one that they were like working with. She was like all white. So I keep seeing her with just makeup on. That's right. why I can't recognize her. Okay. And she was in the Kingsman. She was like the number one henchman who had like the fake legs. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah. Uh, and she's also, and we talked about this, that she's also going to be in, um, oh, what's that? Oh, Atomic Blonde uh, later this year, too. So, yeah, Sofia Batella, I was, I'm really happy that they're making the, the like, big villain, the mummy, a woman in this. Yeah. Instead of, who is the guy who you loved in the Brendan Fraser movie? Do you remember his name? I don't, the, the actor or yeah. the character? Oh, Oded Fair, I yeah, think sure. was his name. I yeah. think. Or maybe that was the other guy. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, but you really liked him. But um, I've noticed this really interesting trend in Tom Cruise action movies is that he is taking a back seat in these movies to women. So if you look at um, Edge of Tomorrow, he takes a back seat to Emily Blunt. If you look at Mission Impossible, he took a back seat to um, Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And now in this, it looks like the he's going to take a little bit of a back seat to Sofia Boutella. So I kind of like that, that he's like... He's kind of sharing the screen, and he's one of those actors who can get anything green, greenlit. So you know if he didn't want this to happen, I don't think it would happen. Right. So I like that that's happening. I um, do, but I feel like it's some sort of Scientology plot. Look, I'm not getting into Scientology on this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's that's beyond my scope. But what, but what did you think of the trailer? I feel like they took a lot from... 
from the Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. But to be fair, and we'll talk about this on our next episode, the Brendan Fraser version took a lot from the 1932 version. I've actually never seen the 1932 version. We should watch it. It's only like 70 minutes. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like for me, because that was my like my actual first introduction to The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. It, it kind of has that feeling of like, oh, you're just doing everything that they did. Yeah. So I need to see what they're going to do different other than it being a female. Right. You know what, the thing that uh, I watched the trailer and I was like, that doesn't make sense in my head, is that they have Jake Johnson of New Girl fame, like playing this very serious sidekick. Oh, yeah. Which is so strange. I'm like, I, I want to laugh every time you open your mouth. This is not working for me at all. Like, this yeah, is not. All I think about is how he wants a chimichanga in the bucket. Yeah. So. There you go. And I think I like the fact that it looks like they've relegated in a lot of ways uh, Russell Crowe to um, to kind of voiceover stuff because he's got a great voice. Yeah, like, that's fine. But, yeah, um, like the nerdy professor thing going. But I just, uh, okay, so this might be a spoiler. So if you really are freaking out about spoilers about the mummy, I don't know who is. I just on the cast list, he's, rent, he's listed as Dr. Henry Jekyll. As in, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. So, Hyde. they're already trying to do, like... Oh, well, they're doing a whole Universal Monsters universe. No, I know, so. but, like, they're, but they're trying to, like, actually tie them all yeah. in together. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. So, that would... That, I mean... And that works, because I can see him playing a Mr. Hyde character, too. I can see him playing a Mr. Hyde character, but the part is that, like, the transition from Jekyll to Hyde is supposed we'll to be significant. And he's already mm. kind of a big guy. So, I kind of want Jekyll to be, like, some simpering, like, mm. nobody unless they make not uh, much mass. Unless they make Mr. Hyde like they did in that, uh... Oh, God, no. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> in Van Helsing? There's just a giant CGI Van Helsing monster? Van is definitely one of my, like, guilty, guilty pleasure movies. Yes. But, God, no. Yeah. Mostly because the guy who plays Dracula. What? Oh, yeah, you have a thing for that guy. Yeah. I forget. Also, it was, it was a creepy guy in Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Talk about simpering. Jesus. Yeah, but I love, like, wasn't all the hot that. people in that movie, like Hugo Weaving and Kate Beckinsale. And you're like, that weird guy in the corner. That is so you. All right. Uh, so it sounds like you're, like, cautiously optimistic yeah. about that. Yeah. So I think in terms of the major releases, this was, like, for me, the only choice because I wasn't going to see a movie about a dog, you know, diffusing bombs. I'm not I'm not watching that. Uh, and my cousin Rachel wasn't uh, wasn't playing anywhere. It's funny so. how much of a dog person I've made you. Yeah. Well, also, even before, like, we had dogs, like, I don't like to see dogs in danger. Like, it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's cheap and it's creepy. Like, I just, no, right. not into it. And cats are too smart for that shit. They're like, deuces, I'm out of here. <laughs> Look at the cat in fucking Alien. Jonesy is like, no, I'm good, man. I'm out of here. I'm going to go hide somewhere. Yeah. You're not going to find me anywhere. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, anything else to add before we finish up this episode? Um, I discovered that cons are scary, and I clutched a Jigglypuff for four days. Yeah, that's that's what a person does, I guess. Like an anime. <laughs> All right. Um, so, that's it for this episode. Uh, the next time we do an episode, we will be doing The Mummy from 1932. And as a special treat, the episode after that... Our guest for The Mummy 2017 will be none other, none other than Brit. You finally uh, remember that I'm a wife and that I'm here and then you can ask me. I'll be like, hey, you're here. <laughs> we should just do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. I mean, for me, it was like I, I just wanted a female voice on this. Like it, I don't want two dudes talking about Wonder Woman. Like that's not that's not great. Like <laughs> you know, on behalf of all womankind, thank you. You're, that's appreciated. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, it just like uh, I've seen enough stories about people catcalling Wonder Woman in the theater that I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I, even if I'm going to be respectful, I don't need just two male voices talking about female empowerment and feminism. Like that's that's not great. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. understandable. Yeah. But yeah, I, ju I just freshly got home maybe like an hour ago from seeing it with perfect. my mom. So oh, that's yeah. perfect. That's great. Yeah. Yeah.